All right, good morning. If you want to grab a seat. And uh, we don't want to, yeah, if you want to just gather in, so great to, to see you all. Uh, by the way, we didn't introduce uh, Sergio today, uh, Laura's other half, and uh, so good. You wouldn't believe how long it took for me to, to change Laura's last name, you know, because we knew Laura for a long time, and so Mr. Petrillo, it's taken a while for me to, you know, adapt, but we have. We have. We love you, man. <laughs> Gotta love Italian. Just rolls off the tongue. Mr. Petrillo. I'm going to stop now. This is just getting weird, you know. Um, if you, we're back into our Gospel According to Matthew series. And if you, if you have a Bible or, or a phone with a Bible on it, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. We're looking at this wonderful little passage at the back end of chapter 6, or towards the end of that, where Jesus talks about worry. Probably a relevant passage to some of us. Uh, I remember worrying when I was a kid. I, I'd worry about school. I'd worry about taking tests. I'd worry about what I'd get on my report cards. <laughs> I'd worry about getting into trouble. I'd more worry about getting caught when I was in trouble. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I remember thinking, what a great thing it would be to be an adult, because then I wouldn't have anything to worry about. And then I became a young adult, and I worried about what I was going to do with my life. I, I worried about, would I find a life partner who would like me or not? Then I got married, and that seemed to open up a whole new batch of worries. I'm just not going to comment about that. I worried uh, that we wouldn't, for a time, I, I worried that we wouldn't be able to have kids. And then we had kids, and I worried about what, you know, how do we raise them? What are they going to be when they grow up? And on and on and on. And what I found, and I'm probably sure you found it too, worry is not my friend. It always tries to get me to live in a future that I cannot control, and then I, I miss the present where I could know gratitude. I, I wonder if you've found what I found, is that worry is insatiable. It seems like we have a an infinite capacity to worry about things. And, and worry is relentlessly joy-killing. It, it speaks to us. It says there, there won't be enough. You're not going to make it. They won't like it. The bubble's going to burst. Uh, you're disappointing people. Worry will get me to say, what if, rather than, through Christ I can do all things. Worry will say, but if only, rather in all things, give thanks. And worry's sneaky, Right? I mean, this week, what did I worry about? About preaching a sermon on worry where Jesus says, do not worry, right? Jesus hates worry. He hates what it does to people. He hates how it makes us small and selfish and timid and mean, how it chokes joy, how it kills dreams and steals days one hour at a time. Jesus Hates worry, but he loves worriers. You need to hear this. Jesus has simply great compassion for people who worry. And, great, and I want to tell you this morning, it may be that anxiety or chronic worry or, or panic attacks have been a crushing enemy for you. 
And I want to tell you with the greatest level of compassion that, that our God knows and our God cares. And Jesus, he doesn't say these words to add to your burden. He, light, he wants to lighten your burden. He wants to lighten your load. And so we come to today to these words that are meant to be good news for warriors like you and me. So chapter uh, 6, beginning at verse 25, if you would be able, please stand for the reading of God's word. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about your clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. But that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has trouble enough of its own. So God, we, we ask today that you would take these words of Jesus and illuminate them to us and uh, help us to hear that we may live. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks. You may have a seat. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Pastor Kevin preached an excellent message on Jesus' words just before this passage. And he, and he talked about how Jesus, especially in the Sermon on the Mount, seems to be very concerned about one thing, the condition of our hearts. So, uh, some of you know that I have a, a heart defect that I was born with. I've got a, a faulty heart valve that doctors are telling me that I'll have to have replaced someday. It'll need to be taken care of. And so I have an annual appointment with a cardiologist, and we talk about the condition of my heart. And Jesus is actually the master cardiologist who cares about the health of our hearts. Jesus in his teaching opens up the mystery of the heart. For Jesus and most of the authors in the Bible, the heart stands as the kind of control center of our lives. The heart's not just about emotion. We often think of it like that. But it's also the place of our will. It's the place where, where we sort out all the, the data that comes our way through our senses and through our imaginations and then the heart is the place where we make the, the real tough decisions in our lives that affect all of our lives. And in his sermon, Jesus is trying to help us understand this control center. He's telling us things about our hearts that, frankly, we wouldn't figure out on our own. And in the process, he's all about wanting to heal our hearts and make our hearts whole. Now, our passage, uh, it begins with the word, therefore, which, as every good preacher's told you before, you got to look why it's there for. You know, what is, what is it there for? Which points to what came before. And it turns out, Jesus' thinking on worry really includes 
the passage, the whole section before from verses 19 to 24. I'm going to read it because we need to hear it again. Remember what Jesus says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He goes on to talk about the eye. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And finally, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. And then the whole text pivots in that next verse, in verse 25, where Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry. You know, don't worry about your life. Literally, it's stop worrying. Stop being anxious. And it's a command. It's, it's not just a friendly suggestion, which leads to the million-dollar question. <laughs> How? <laughs> How do I stop being anxious? Thank, thank you, Jesus. Well, in what comes before verse 25 in this passage, Jesus actually opens up some of the causes of our worry. And then what comes after verse 25 are some of the cures of worry, how to move beyond anxiety and into the new kind of kingdom life that God invites us into. Now, for a minute, I just want to talk about the kind of anxiety that Jesus is addressing. I don't think he's talking about the the clinical condition that we might call anxiety disorder, which really, I I think, has its root in the kind of traumatic experiences that we can go through in life. If you've gone through some kind of trauma, it it can lead to to a, a kind of anxiety around that. And what Jesus is saying here about worry is is still good news for that kind of anxiety. It'll still help, but that's not kind of specifically what he's talking about here. Here he's addressing the kind of worry, the kind of anxiety every human being goes through at some time in their life. He's speaking about the kind of anxiety that especially marks, I think, this present moment in history. Again, Jesus knows us, and he loves us. And he wants us to know why we worry. Really three themes, like in verse 19 to 20. To sum that up, Jesus is really saying we worry because we've tried to secure our future with earthly treasures. And it's not that earthly treasures are are bad. It's just often we try to secure our lives with them. And we tie our our future to earthly treasures. And, And so we worry because those Earthly treasures, as most of us have come to know, are profoundly insecure. Like my Samsung, you know, S4 phone, which no longer functions, right? It's a good thing I didn't tie my future to my phone, because I find it becomes obsolete quite quickly or redundant. But what we find about with our earthly treasures is moth and rust destroy, and thieves do break in and steal, hearts tied to earthly treasures are going to be anxious. You you can't help it. And Jesus talked about our eyes in verse 22 and 23. What he's saying here is that we all have a vision of reality. We all have these presuppositions about how the world works. What what happens is our our vision gets blinded or, or clouded by the ambitions and goals of those around us who don't know God. Who, who don't 
know our Heavenly Father. Our, our vision gets so full of what our culture values and what our culture says is important. And then we don't see God in the middle of what we're facing. And what we tend to face in our culture right now is a lot of doom and gloom, right? Um, our family, we sometimes watch the evening news together, and they always start with these words, good evening. And then it seems like for the next hour, they go on to tell you what's not good about it, right? Because <laughs> all we hear is doom and gloom. And, and the other message from our culture is that we can actually fix it. And, and so we lose sight of the ways that our God, who is above all gods, is actively working to repair our world. So we can't help but be anxious because our vision gets clouded by our culture. Thirdly, we worry, says Jesus in verse 24, because we serve some kind of mammon and not the living God. Mammon comes from the word ammon and, and really has the idea of that in which we put our trust. And it could be money. In fact, it's often translated as money, but it can just as easily be people, a, a girlfriend, a spouse, uh, your kids, your grandkids. It can be your boss, your career, your, your reputation, your stuff, your ideology. Most of them, in and of themselves, are, are good. Some of them are, are great gifts from God. I mean, think job, think spouse, think, think home. It's just that all form of mammon, however you know, good they might be, they're profoundly unstable. You know, they're, they're, they're neither eternal or secure. They're unreliable. And so any life built on them, it'll wobble and it'll shake. We can't help but worry. For our hearts know that those things can collapse or crumble just overnight. They can be gone. So before Jesus says, do not worry, he actually wants to open up to us and expose some of the causes of our worry. And so for, so for us, freedom from worry is going to come through making wise decisions related to those three issues when it comes to our hearts. Now, I know. I, I know you. And I know many of our hearts, we, when it comes to Jesus, we're, we're, we're praying. Our prayer is, Jesus, I, I want to bank my future on you. I want you to be my hope. I, I, I want heavenly treasure. You know, I, I'm trying to, to keep God at my center and have him be my vision for my life. I'm trying my best to serve God and, and not serve some kind of mammon in my life. But Lord, it seems like I'm still struggling. You know, I, I need your help. And so Jesus goes on in the next sentences to get, talk about some of the cures for our anxiety. Three things I want to lift out of this text. The first is this, just simply to shift our focus, to shift the focus. Verse 26 and 28, shift your focus away from things that cause you to worry. Shift the focus to what? Jesus' answer? If you think it's going to be Jesus, that's not actually his answer. He's, he says, look to the birds and the flowers. And you're like, what? Verse 26, listen to this. This is exactly what Jesus says. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Verse 28, see how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you not, not even Solomon in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. 
shift the focus and look at the birds and look at the flowers. And this is where you might say to Jesus, Jesus, are you not aware of what's going on in our world right now? Are, are, are you not seeing that, that we're in a, a pandemic? There, there's health issues. Uh, we're hearing every day about climate issues, economic challenges that are going on, housing affordability, inflation, all these things. With all that's going on, you want me to become a bird watcher and a horticulturalist? And Jesus replied to his, yes, that's what I want you to do. Go outside and look at the birds and look at the flowers. It's a call to shift our focus, to shift our focus away from what causes us to worry. Stop worrying about what you'll eat, about what you'll drink, about what you'll wear. They're all important. They're all good. They're all necessary. But start looking at the birds and the flowers. Why? Well, because when we look at birds and flowers, they point us to Jesus' Father. And Jesus says, your heavenly Father feeds them. And your heavenly Father clothes them. And then Jesus asks, kind of a rhetorical question, do you not matter more than these? Do you not matter more than the birds and the flowers? And he says, if the Father so cares for these, will he not care for you? Uh, Jesus would, would say in the Gospel of Luke, he says, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? By the way, isn't that interesting that they sold sparrows back in the day? Are five, not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Uh, take a, a good look at the person sitting next to you, and, and if you were to calculate their worth in sparrows, how much would you get to trade them in? How many sparrows would you get, uh, you think? <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, right? More than three. That's the, uh, you know, more than, more than five sparrows. There you go. Now, now Jesus, you got to understand, he's not calling us to stop working or stop planning or stop thinking about our lives or stop even strategizing about our future. He's not calling us into a thoughtless or reckless kind of living. Look at the birds. I mean, actually, birds are quite industrious. I mean, creatively and energetically, they, they build nests, and they care for their young. They take care of business. It's just the birds know what we forget. <laughs> they have a father who cares. Birds know something that we should learn. Birds know that they don't make the world go around, right? The flowers know that their laboring and spinning doesn't make the world go around. Years ago, do you remember the events after 9-11? Uh, we witnessed a miracle. What was the miracle? The miracle was this. Stock markets closed for seven days. Wall Street closed for seven days. And guess what? The world had kept on a spinning. <laughs> you see, Wall Street does not make the world go round. Washington and, and Toronto and Ottawa and Vancouver and Hong Kong and, and Shanghai, do not make the world go around. Google and, and Facebook and Tesla do not make the world go around. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ makes the world go around. Amen? Keep looking at the birds of the air and the flowers in the field until you see through them the Father. That's what Jesus is after here. Just keep looking. Start looking. Look until you see the one who made us. 
Look until you see the one who, who loves us. Look until you see the one who holds it all together. As one theologian put it, put it this way, the birds and the flowers are the great preacher of creation. And they're preaching to you about the lavish love and care of our Heavenly Father. Uh, one theologian put it this way, every, every worry is a vote of non-confidence in God. It's kind of like, sorry, God. Sorry, Father. The, the crisis that we're facing right now is just a little bit beyond you. And we don't ever say that out loud, but we kind of say it in our hearts, right? That's what our hearts are saying. Sorry, Father, I, I don't think you're up to this one. I, I don't think you're able to handle what I'm facing right now. And so Jesus says, shift your focus, the birds and the flowers, until you see the lavish love of the Father who loves you. And he's at the center of everything. Number two, Jesus gives us a, another clever strategy around worry. I, I simply say three words, stick to today. Stick to today. Jesus says here and elsewhere in the Bible, do this, this whole journey with God one day at a time. Give us this day our, our daily bread. Jesus invites us to pray. Live in the center of God's love, not yesterday, not tomorrow, but today, right now. See, it's often when we look to the future that we get overwhelmed. I, I read this week that the average North American uh, in an average year will eat something like 2,000 pounds of food, right? That's a lot of food, right? That's a crazy amount of food. Now think if you went into a room, a big room, and saw all the food stockpiled that you were going to eat in a lifetime, like, it's a lot of food, like 150,000 pounds of food, something like that, 75 tons. Uh, there'd be like 42,000 pounds of dairy. There'd be like 15,000 pounds of beef and poultry. There'd be 7,000 pounds of butter and fat. There'd be 25,000 pounds of potato chips and ice cream, right? Well, maybe that's just me. <laughs> um, if somebody sat me down in a, in a warehouse and said I had to eat all of it, I'd be overwhelmed, right? And yet we all do it. What, how? What's the secret of us putting away 75 tons of food? We eat it one day at a time. Let me ask you, how will you face and, and address uh, all the heartbreak that's going to come your way in your life? How will you deal with all the problems? How will you handle all the disappointment and the loss and the grief? One day at a time. See, we think the answer to anxiety is to have less bad stuff happen to us. Some people think if I become a Christian, if I follow Jesus, then, then God is supposed to make sure I'm insulated or, and protected from bad things happening. As long as I, I believe hard enough, that's that's somehow his job. Jesus doesn't say that. He doesn't say, don't worry about tomorrow because if you have enough faith, tomorrow everything's going to be good. What he actually says is, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 
Here's Jesus' prediction for your life. Trouble. Yay, God. When? Today. Tomorrow? More trouble. Right? Turn to the, turn to the person next to you and say, trouble today? More tomorrow. <laughs> now, now, what about the kind of trouble that, that we've experienced in our past? Well, we don't minimize them. We, we, we don't deny them. We don't spiritualize over them. We protest them, we lament them, we recognize them, we grieve them. But when it comes to troubles which will come, we don't also have to borrow from tomorrow's troubles. I think uh, Corey Ten Boom wisely once said, she said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, it empties today of its strength. Two prayers, I think, that, that we can pray that maybe help us this with this living one day at a time. And, it, and it's back to Jesus' prayer uh, at the very middle of the Lord's prayer. Give us today our daily bread. I, I, uh, I add to that the, the first verse of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. As some versions say, I have all I need. And then um, another psalm. Psalm 118, verse 24, which says, uh, this is the day, today is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Do you know uh, Don and Carolyn Miller? Some of you know Don and Carolyn well. They used to sit right there. And uh, they've been watching at home, not just because of the pandemic, but they've been watching our services online because uh, Don's got a terminal illness. He's struggling with cancer. Um, and we were able to have some time with him earlier this week. And uh, a couple things I noticed is every day they make it a point to recite that little verse. They sing it. This is the day, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And uh, I, I, I noticed joy in their lives. They're, they're dealing with the hardest challenge they'll probably ever deal with in their lives, and, and there's joy in that home. The second thing I want to just point out, just because it was just so cool, I should have shown you some pictures. They've got birds everywhere, <laughs> spread throughout their home. So they're living one day at a time, and, and every, every day they're looking at the birds, and, and, uh, and, and Donnie's just confession to me is he says, this has been really difficult. I'm sick every day, but I have hope. I have Jesus, and I'm living. He actually said this. He says, I'm living one day at a time. I think we can, we're invited into that. Number three, verse 32. I, I don't think I can say this better than Jesus. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The word seek is a very intense verb that Jesus uses here. It's the word zateo, and in other places it's translated persecute, if you can imagine. It's a very intense action, and Jesus is saying, go hard after. Press in all the way. In, in other words, make it your top priority, the top filter of your life to pursue God, to chase after God, to get in on what God is doing and have his kind of goodness shape who you are and shape your character. I mean, study God, love God, follow God. Serve God. Think about God. Be preoccupied with God. Be surrendered to God. Give like God gives. Find him in the moment. 
See him in each person's face and, and hear him in every voice that speaks. Watch him work through the birds and the flowers. And rearrange your whole strategy for living around this remarkable opportunity to follow Jesus. And so what do we do in light of this? We direct all of our energy. We persecute. We seek first the Father's kingdom because, frankly, folks, no other kingdom is going to last. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, Jesus says, not seek first security. That's why our hearts are anxious. Not seek first affluence. That's why our hearts get anxious. There, there's just never enough. It's not seek first a name for yourself. That's a huge source of anxiety. It's not seek first the needs of my, my kids or, or my grandkids. That's, that's going to make you anxious. But seek first the kingdom. Seek first the righteousness of God. Throw yourself into the only world order that is actually going to last. And then the biggest surprise that happens to us as we do this, all these other concerns of ours fall into their proper place. And one morning, you wake up, and it dawns on you. I, I'm, I'm no longer tying my future to things that won't last. I, I, I'm no longer linking my life train and trajectory to things that, that can fall apart. And I'm beginning to see more clearly. I'm beginning to have a vision of my life that, that has God as its focus and everything else takes, takes place. And, and, and you might get to this place in your life and you wake up and, and you realize I haven't put my trust in some kind of mammon for days. And then you realize I'm not worrying like I used to. Let's pause for a moment. Uh, Pastor Bill, a number of years ago, um, wrote a song about his own journey with anxiety and worry. And uh, I think it's a great word for all of us. But why don't we just take a moment, be before Jesus. Jesus.